Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Six weeks left to go until Let's Talk Dubs one crazy weekend. Make sure you go to letstalkdubs.com. Click on the link that says Showtime. That page has got all your information, plus where you can register for the Poker Run and Car Show. Two separate events, two different prices. 30 bucks for the Car Show, 50 bucks for the Poker Run. The weekend kicks off with an organized strip cruise Friday night. After the strip cruise, a hang and meet and greet at the Orleans Hotel and Casino parking lot where all the VWs will be staged. The next morning kicks off the car show at 8 a.m. and that goes till about 1 o'clock. We've got a best of show and a top 20 cars. Take a break for a little bit, go to the casino, relax, mind your business, come back outside around 5 36 o'clock and we'll kick off the Let's Talk Dubs poker run. That's right, the one crazy weekend poker run where you get a chance to crew down with about five people in your group. Everybody gets their own hand if you've registered for the poker run and you have a chance to win cash prize of $1,500 cash money. $1,500 that you get to win first place. Second place is $300. Third place is $200 for the best hands in the poker run. You scramble around Las Vegas for a couple hours, come back to the Orleans Hotel Casino, get dealt your final card, and bingo, bango, you just won you some money. Today's podcast I'm pretty excited about, Keith Kid Dean. Now, if the name's not familiar, you've been in the game not as long as some of us, but Kid Dean built a square back, and his name's Kid because he's Dick Dean's kid. Dick Dean's a famous hot rodder from the uh, 50s and on into the uh, late 90s, building custom cars and hot rods from the movie industry to limousines and all kinds of stuff in between. And his son, Keith, started working for him as just a young kid. He's buddies with Paige Proctor. Paige Proctor's got a brown square back that gets totaled before he builds suicidal tendencies. And Keith... Keith and Paige being buddies, Keith gets inspired to buy himself a squareback, so then begins the journey to build the Chop Top Squareback, which is world famous and now resides in England. But you get the story about the squareback, you get the story about a little story about suicidal tendencies and all the cars that he's been involved with in between. Uh, Keith owns a business now in Hemet, California called South End Customs. They still do work to this day. Quite a bit of customization they do at the shop. Uh, anything from chop tops to paint jobs and everything in between. He built a car back a few years ago that went through the block on Barrett Jackson, but a phenomenal El Camino. It was called Trident. And if you just look at the build, it'll give you an example of the kind of work that Keith does. Uh, it's top level quality. He's got an imagination that that really ties the whole car together. Uh, he's a recognized hot rod builder in the Hot Rod Hall of Fame, as well as he's a VW guy. Real quick, if you guys want to know what I'm up to this weekend, I'm headed to the Fast Four Cartel Blitz on the Beach too. That's happening this weekend, August 27th through 28th. I'm heading up there with uh, my assistant executive producer, George McCalluck, and George T. We're headed up there to check out what's happening up there in Eureka, California. So if you guys are all about it, get about it and head out there and support those drag racers, man. So I know it's a little bit of a way, but uh, it's out there, but you can get there. So uh, support the guys from Fast Four Cartel, man. They're doing it big time. So that's where I'm going to be this weekend, if you're wondering. Also support our sponsors, VW Trends Magazine, a magazine for the people, by the people. Get out, check them out. Go to vwtrendsmagazine.com. Go to vwtrendsmagazine.com and subscribe today. 
you know, I'm headed to the drag races and everybody hates when things fall apart. So you want to get some quality parts, check out Ross Wolf. You guys know we've seen it before. Aftermarket distributor clamps that won't stay tight. Ones that are bulky, incorrectly pinched, or even the clamps with gimmicky timing marks that are useless. Ross Wolf has solved that problem. They've built a simple, attractive, and functional distributor clamp that won't fail. Simply put, Ross Wolf distributor clamp is the finest available and the most reliable way to secure your distributor. They use T6061 T6 aluminum, that's the strongest structural steel, and they engineer the unit to clamp evenly across the surface. Ross Wolf has clamps for Type 1 and Type 2 engines as well as Type 3, even to clamp for any MSD-style distributors on Type 3s and Type 4. So get with the program, jazz up that motor compartment, buy some high-quality parts, and check out RossWolf.com, purveyors of speed and style. This podcast is a great one. Sit back, buckle up, and let's listen to Keith Kid Dean on this week's episode of Let's Talk Dubs. Wagon that's big enough. The new VW Fastback sedan. The Fastback also has the most powerful engine we've ever made. It's air-cooled. Since we made a VW that's a little roomier in the inside, And in the back, where most cars have their trunks, we have a... Come into your Volkswagen dealer. He'll show you where the motor is. Okay, everybody. So everybody knows my situation in Mexico and back when I was there. I lost a few podcasts. And so I was back on track to, to get those podcasts again. And one of those podcasts, while I was down at the Grand National Roadster Show, um, obviously everybody saw suicidal tendencies and the guy that was had a huge hand in building that car was Keith Kid Dean. Now, Kid Dean is the son of Dick Dean and continues the legacy with South End Customs. He's in Hemet, California, so I'm stoked to have him on the podcast today. Keith, welcome to the podcast. Hey, great to be here. So uh, the way we always start the podcast is... You know, because you've got a huge history with hot rodding. Your dad's like a Hall of Fame hot rodder, like all this all this history with hot rodding. But you as a teenager kind of kicked things off with the Volkswagen. So the way we always start the podcast is, what's your VW story and how did you get into Volkswagens? <laughs> well, the guy that owned Suicidal Tendency, Paige Proctor, was my friend back then. He had his square back, which is a two, two-tone brown uh square back he lowered it so he could take the dots off the street i mean that's how low it was and uh i go cool i'm gonna get one too so i found one down in long beach um i didn't care about the body i just figured i'd get it out of long beach because those guys are commuters and so the motor's got to be you know got to run good so right. uh went down there i think i paid 500 bucks or something for it brought it back you know didn't see that that left side was cream from one from the taillight to the headlight, <laughs> but that didn't matter to me. I was just like so excited. I got it, and it ran. And how old are you at this so, point? I was. It was twenty three, I think. I'm going on twenty four. Yeah. So. And now your dad. Now at this time, are you working with your dad? Or are you doing your your? Yeah. So you're working at a hot rod shop. Yeah. And and this is in the eighties at some time at some point in the eighties, is it? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, eighty three. So in nineteen eighty three, you're over there working at a hot rod shop, and even in those times, 
you know, Volkswagens weren't really like they weren't respectable to hot rods. So how did your dad take to you going to get a square back? I mean, was you, what, was your, <laughs> what was your dad and his friends disposition on that? Well, my, my, my dad had been through the Volkswagen stage with his dune buggies, his, his Shalico and everything like that. So he, he had, um, dealt with, um, VWs and Volkswagen. So he knew how they worked and when, when something would go wrong, then he knew how to fix them kind of thing there. Sure. Um, so he, he wasn't, too much. He, I mean, my dad was was a, a person of all all genders. He would he drag raced. He he went to Bonneville. He he you know um, built like cars for the you know yeah yeah the nationals the the uh, TV shows. So he wasn't pigeonholed into only doing say street rods or something like that. I mean, if it had a wheel. Doesn't even have to have more than one. He'd have had a wheel. He was on it. So. Right, right. So your dad. So your dad doesn't give you. You know, he's pretty, well, obviously the Shalico. For some of that don't know, Shalico is the name, right? Yeah. So the Shalico Dune buggy was this kind of wild style Dune buggy, completely different. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was not a Myers Manx ripoff. Yeah. It was a. Com- That's one compliment I got from uh, Bruce Meyer was that um, he goes. You know, I, w- I was down there with the. Uh, Dean uh, Dean Jeffrey's son Kevin and we were talking with Bruce and he says you both your dads didn't rip me off because everyone else would just you know take his body and change it a little bit and then you know um, no 100% I mean unfortunately the laws didn't um, weren't friendly to Bruce right Um, uh, as far as you cannot patent fiberglass because it physically changes yeah and so that was their determination of why you couldn't patent it so um yeah that's I mean, people the, took advantage of it unfortunately but uh well and i think you know I, I think true to being a hot rodder like no matter what car we have every one of us want you know especially in the volkswagen world right they're all the same platform but we want ours to yeah. stand out and be our own so oh, exactly that's that that's what makes the world go around i like i say uh you know when i see it See, I see a custom that I'm not really excited about. Right. I do not bash the guy because he is excited about it. He has done what he wants to do to it, you know, and, and so, you know. Yeah, I, th- I, uh, I agree with that 100%. If we were all the same, we'd hate each other, even, you know, more so. Right. I mean, it, it would be pretty boring if everybody's doing the same thing. And I, you oh, know, yeah. there, there's definitely styles that come out of specific areas and periods of time that are really similar. But even when your squareback came out, I mean, you know, let's talk about that for a second. When your squareback, when you built the squareback, which is on the cover of the uh, March 1984 Hot VWs, when when you're building that squareback, no one's really building squarebacks back then. I mean, squarebacks are, there's one out of every 100 Volkswagens that's built is a squareback. So you're already starting out of the gate on a completely different platform, you know? Yeah, and... That that was me, you know. That was not wanting to be the color red, even though it painted. I painted it red. I mean, I'm, as far as I'm saying, is is that you know, I, um, uh, the bugs were everywhere. They the cow look was the thing, and I I just when you're a customizer, you you look at certain things and like, how can I change that for the better? Right. And the bugs, I mean, I liked them as they were. I didn't particularly like them when 
they used to wedge chop them where they would just pull the front post down. Right, a pull down chop. I didn't wasn't crazy about that. Um, there were some like drag bugs that that had full chops on them. I just were crazy about. But um, I decided that uh, you know I was going to do something different on 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 the wagon and see if I could improve the look because it it did have a tall, you know, uh, the um, greenhouse. Yeah, as far as the windows. And, and so the, I mean. Let's talk about chopping that square back. I mean, that because the car has kind of a radius shape to it, you know, most people think it's like, oh, pretty, pretty, pretty easy chop. Well, all those pillars, A pillar, the C pillar, they're all angled. I mean, other than the, yeah. the B pillar, the A and the back pillar are both angled. So as you chop it, you, you're actually, you're going to have to cut that roof and move things apart, you know, and, yeah. and push things. And it, and, you also did one-piece windows in addition to, it looks like you had uh, a, a bay window in the rear, like a large side window. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that, that's a pretty big undertaking, but I mean, I guess the name well, of the Well, especially game, too, because I was, I mean, I, I was young. I, I had been doing it for a while, but, you know, I was always working on cars that my dad had brought in. And, and so a lot of the ideas were his, even though I got a, a chance to say, perfect them or, or make them work um when it came to my own car i mean i i stepped right in the middle of it i didn't have i didn't have a clue you know? uh, yeah, it's, it's, just a, like, it's a pretty bold move for the first car you're gonna build and quite a bit of work i mean let's talk about so the process the, the custom the custom items on the car are i mean you've got split bumper shave deck lid chop top now are the taillights slightly frenched or are they are they um no that's stock i i, I left them <laughs> you know it was weird I, of all the things right so and then you've got and it almost looks like it's got a little bit of a pull down chop a little bit of a wedge chop because it kind of has a, yeah. a slope from front to rear which adds that's to the one rate. thing i learned from doing the chops with my dad is that he would always pull a little bit more out of the front than the back because it's an optical illusion when you look at a car that is evenly chopped, it will look like it's going backwards because your eye tells you it's not right. Yeah. So you have to force your eye to, to notice that it, that it's you know yeah. moving down or. And now this one you did. I mean, there's a lot of crossover with the hot rod style and oh yeah, and the VW style. I mean, because because this is in the heyday of like the crazy, you know, punk rock California style looking Volkswagens. <laughs> and this one really yeah. does not walk that line. I, since I was a, a little kid, I was always influenced by the European design. I love some of the, the French work and, and stuff like that. Not that I didn't like American stuff. It just, you know, that was sexy to me. And, and so I was trying to emanate a lot of, of that style that, that I was going to take this, you know, lowest of the low cars. You know, you had the Type Ones and then you know, Type Twos, and then Type Threes were like four four steps below that. And I was going to take this thing and and just bring it up. You know, yeah. and so I wanted to give it a European feel. So a lot of things were you know designed that way. The split bumpers, you know. And, yeah, de you know. definitely the split bumpers give us some character. Now, what type of wheels were on it? <laughs> Those were. Um, there's actually a, a, a name for the car, but it was a Baja. It was a 74 Baja VW special that they came out with. And they had these banana looking rims on them. Yeah. And I had found a set 
and um, put my bullet caps on it, or my uh, uh, Porsche caps on them. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, to me, it's it's what it needed, you know. No, it definitely has a, a unique look to it. Um, yeah. You know, and, and it's got, it, it definitely, you know, that's one of the things about this car, even being, and I'd have to say, you know, everyone wants to mix terms, right? So they want to call it like a like a Volks rod or something like that. If yeah. it's if it kind of has that hot rod vibe to it, but this has got to be, you know, on there's there's only been a few built in those times, and there were mostly, you know, we I, I interviewed Creighton Mueller before he passed away, and he's he's the guy that chopped the first VW in 1956, and he was oh, yeah. a hot rod guy all the way through. I mean, everything he did on his car was Stuart Warner gauges all white wiring it had the the aircraft front shock to raise the front suspension yeah um, I mean every, he converted it to right hand drive he he freaking sectioned a Volkswagen he sectioned it and <laughs> channeled it and channeled yeah. it no less like you want to talk That's about a car crazy. that would be an unbelievable amount of work to channel it you know and yeah but the the crazy part is here he is a hot rod guy does all this stuff <laughs> doesn't really get a lot of acceptance by his hot rod buddies because he's in this little German car. Yeah. So it's interesting how you've got these dichotomies in the early days of hot rodding and tying it together. You know, the first Baja bug, I interviewed Gary Emery and his dad, Neil Emery, was was a, a famous hot rod guy, Valley Customs in yeah. Burbank. And so oh, yeah. when his dad was like, well, let's do something. Let's, he couldn't afford a Myers-Manx. Let's do something to your bug and make something. Let's take the front fenders, flip them around, put them on. You know? And so hot rodding, there's so much hot rodding heritage, yours included, that goes into the VW world. You know? I mean, there was a lot of those guys that crossed over because we got to remember. What we forget nowadays is that in the 60s, late 60s, and uh, early 70s, a lot of that stuff just went crazy. It was all over Hot Rod Magazine, um, yeah. all kind of stuff. So the VW, yeah. the VW stuff. You know, how many times have you seen a Volkswagen, uh, uh, either a, 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 a dune buggy or a Volkswagen on the cover of like Hot Rod or Carcraft? Or, I mean, it happened in, you know, late 60s, early 70s. Oh yeah, I, and I've been buying a bunch of them up, and it was just you know you know Isky's making cams for them. I mean, yeah. everybody was after that new thing because obviously those guys are up and coming young hot rod companies, and they're like, hey, if people are buying Volkswagens, I'll make camshafts for Volkswagens, you know. Yeah. And then over time, it kind of everything kind of went back to the way that it was, a little bit divided. But I think it's so cool when we look at history and see so much of that hot rod influence that goes into it. And yet, with with the squareback that you built, you know, it, it kind of it walks a line. It it's so unique that it stands out, and so many people remember the squareback. You know, talk yeah. to me a little bit about the customization of the interior and stuff like that, because that car was was pretty unique, especially for the time. I mean, most people did Recaros. What kind of seats did you put in that dude? Uh, those were uh, Thunderbird. Yeah, probably I think sixty two or sixty four. Thunderbird seats. I, my dad had them laying around, and I said, "Hey, can I use these?" He's like, "Yeah, right. go for it." So, so, and then the the design was pretty much mine, and I had um, uh, the guy that was working at the shop do the interior work, and he just did an incredible job. But um, one of the things I did is, is I wanted to have a pillar 
um, gauge panel that would come over and pick up the steering column so that there wasn't a, the dash wasn't attached to the um, firewall. Um, the upholstery guy got a little excited with the padding, so but when he was done, there really you couldn't see much difference between that there was that there was a space between the uh, um, the steering column piece and the, the firewall. So the look but, that you designed f that car was to have a floating gauge pod. Yeah, on the actual steering wheel itself. Yeah, and it was, it was, and again, like I say, growing up, you know, my dad would always have a Motor Trend or something like that. So I would look at the futuristic cars, and I would just like, God, you know, just that look. And uh, so that's what I wanted to um, do, and it was my first effort. So I would, you know, well, it, you, listen, I mean, for yeah. for being your first effort and and going for it, I mean, that's a pretty that's a pretty adventurous thing. And that's, I mean, that's a lot of work to do just to get, just to try to come up with a floating, uh, a floating column like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of cool. I, you know, it was funny, you know, I, I like driving it, but I like being in the passenger seat more because there was no dash. It was just, so, you know, it's kind of cool to be there. Yeah. More, a little more room. And then what were you running for drivetrain in it? Uh, 1600. So just a stock, a little stock yeah. motor action. Yeah. Well, the original one was 1500 and I, um, I took that one out because I thought I was going to get tired, and I, I bought a 1600. And just, you know, nothing, no cam, no no extra carburetor, just just something that would get me and, back and forth to work. And now at the time that you have that car, um, at which is is Suicidal Tendencies, is, is, is that car, because Paige wrecked the, the brown car, yeah, and that's when he bought the car. Now your car comes out between the two. Well, um, Paige had his his two tone brown squareback. Um, like I say, that that's what incentivized me to get mine. Uh, and then, honestly, I I probably would have drawn, driven it around in, in black primer. But uh, I met a girl at oh. a car show, uh -huh. and I was going to impress her with with something and. You know, I just had this envision of this European, you know, station wagon. And so um, I kind of went all out on it to impress her. And um, so nice. Uh, it went through its motion and then we wound up getting married and then I was going to have a kid. And I'm just like, oh, you know, my first child is going to cost me a million dollars. You know, so right. I sold the sold the square back. And found out the kids aren't that expensive, so that right. And what and out, what year? Well, you did the responsible thing, right? Like I'm going to be a dad now. Got to sell this, you know, yeah. this this car. And what what year did you sell the Squareback? Uh, Eighty five. And who did it go to? I can't remember his name, but he owned a surf shop in Houston, Texas, and he was the only surf shop in Texas, and he would supply boards for Galveston and people would come up to Houston and get their boards and then go down to Galveston. But now um, at, at the time you sell the car, now is your, has your whole life career been working at South end customs? Oh no. Uh, South end custom was a shop that my dad had started, started back in Michigan. Uh -huh. And when he came to California, he didn't bring the name with him. He, he just started working for George Barris and uh, a couple other people. And so, that name kind of got lost and when he started up his his own shop it was dick dean automotive 
And then when I came in and my brothers wanted to work with him, he changed it to Dean and Sons or Dean and Son. Sometimes it just kind of went back and forth. Um, so um, only when he retired did I bring back the South End Customs so that, that you know, I would honor him as far as that was his first shop. So. Right. Uh, and, that's, and that's I think it's pretty cool kind of carrying the torch, right, of what your dad yeah. started. and. At this time, when when you're building the squareback, you're working for him, and then you get married. Do you you stay working with your dad? Or are you working with Barris and those guys? Or are you doing your own thing? Or what are you doing at that time? Well, no, I uh, I did my own thing for just a few years. Uh, my I would get fired about every week. You know, I'd do something wrong, <laughs> of or, course. Or my dad was just pissed off, and so um, that's just what happens in a family. It wasn't the fact that you know we were any different than anybody else. So. Anyway, uh, one time it came along, and, and I actually went out and got my own shop and worked for about a year outside the shop, but didn't really do too many things, a couple mini trucks and stuff, but nothing too much in the Volkswagen line. Now, uh, Then my dad says, hey, come on back. So Now, was this when he was, when it was, uh, when it was Dick Dale and Sons? Dick Dean and Sons, I mean, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, Dick and Dean and Sons, yeah. Yeah, this was a Fullerton shop. This was a... This one, the Fullerton shop, is probably where the most customs were built. Um, we just turned them just fast. <laughs> and I mean, you guys just had like you just had a rhythm in there where a card come in. You guys have a game plan and just get to it and just move right yeah. through the car. Yeah, yeah. It just um, my dad found out that that because of my enthusiasm of wanting to customize things, it's that he, he worked better in the office and he would just go get the stuff, bring it in says, this is what we need done. Boom. Done. He'd get paid. He was happy, you know? Um, so nice. it, it worked out well, you know, and I got to learn, uh, all the time, you know, you think that, uh, you learn by fire, but that's pretty much what it was. I would learn underneath him as far as, you know, I'd watch when he would do welds and, you know, how he would cut a top and why he would cut a top. But pretty much my dad would just cut me loose when it came to actually physically doing this. He would never be hanging over my shoulder. Oh, no, you need another quarter inch or this or that. He would stand back and watch me to see how I would do it because I learned from him. Yeah. So um, a lot of things I would pick up from him i'm like i could be a little bit better if we did this and he would pick up on it and he's like oh that works great you know i mean that so. and, and that's got to be that that's that's pretty cool that your dad's humble enough to see like hey look my kid's got a different you know because sometimes older generation people they're not going to oh. work the same as oh yeah <laughs> as as younger generation people you know yeah it's just a different yeah. a different vibe altogether you know yeah when i cut the square back he was really impressed because he's like I never thought of that. Oh, wow. How did the roof forward and, how did that make you feel? Basically. How'd that make you feel that your dad, that you were able to impress your dad? I mean, I think, I think, Oh yeah, that was, you know, (laughs) that's every kid's dream. (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, it's just like, you know, I think we grow up, you know, your our dads are our hero, right? My dad could beat up your dad. Every time he's got money in his pocket, we must be rich because he's got a hundred dollar bill in there. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is, but, uh, you know, I think to be to be born into a car hobby and and to be able to take it on. I mean, I know my dad wasn't a big car guy, but I've been a, a car guy since I was a kid, and to watch my son become a car guy really is something that 
that gets me excited. You know, he sends me stupid car ads all the time. Like, hey, look at this for sale. You know, we <laughs> constantly do that to each other. It's like, you know, I, I think you you hope as a dad that when you when you're you're able to be your kid's parent and also when they get older as to be an adult, you get to be their friend too, you know? Yeah. And oh yeah. It's just a you know a great opportunity, especially to, to, to have those similar hobbies with your family. Now, how long do you, so you work for your dad. Now I want to, you mentioned something I want to touch bases on. I want to touch base on for a second. You said you opened your own shop for a little bit and you were doing some mini trucks and stuff like that. So there's some, there's some kid Dean mini trucks out there that, that you, that you did some work on or what kind of work oh, were yeah, you doing? A couple of them. Yeah. And what did you do in your shop? Did you just do like lowering and stuff like that? Or did you do painting and customizing and everything? Oh, yeah, paint. Um, you know, I did one with the going doors, um, uh, limo, S10, uh, blazer. Um, a limo S10 blazer? Yeah. <laughs> oh, get out of here. I mean, that, that's got to be. Now, how many cars? I mean, that's a completely different world than chopping a car, right? Making a limousine version. Yeah, well, um, at the time I was, you know, my dad had started doing dealership work and he started building limos. And so he showed me the, you know, what to do to keep structure and this and that. And um, then we came out with the world's longest limo, which basically he just said, okay, it's yours. Uh, I'll be in the office. Really? And so I had to figure out how to make a, you know, a 60 foot long car. <laughs> oh, get out of here. So you guys, yeah. at, at the time, you guys were, you're focused on building the world's longest limousine. Exactly. I mean, it was, it was crazy. I probably way over-engineered it. And, the, and it was funny. It just had been rebuilt. And uh, the guy that had rebuilt it said this, it was built like a, like a bridge. Really? That's the only way I knew how to build it. So it wouldn't sag. And what, to and, what kind uh, of platform was it? Well, it, it started out as a 74 Cadillac Eldorado. Oh, good grief. That's a gigantic car. That's a monster of a car to begin with. Exactly. So we just cut it in the middle, pulled it out, filled in the rest. So, Wow, that's incredible. I mean, and what year was that when you guys built that? Um, that must have been, I think it was the um, end of 85, and who'd you I guys think, build that for? We only for? had 30 days to do it, to build this. You had 30 days to build the world's longest limo? Yeah. That's insane. Had to be in Germany. <laughs> and it was shipped to Germany? It was shipped to Germany, and I had to drive it in the snow because they wanted it in the in the building the opposite direction as, as when it got dropped off. So I had to drive it out. And luckily, there was a soccer field down the down the way, and so I, I turned it around to the soccer field and came back and drove in. Oh, that's wild! Yeah, yeah. that's a. I mean, that's quite a bit of work, and, and customization is on so many levels. You know, even I mean, really, guys that work in limo shops have to be resourceful and figure things out and make things work. Yeah. You know, just like yeah starting from scratch so i mean did your did your dad do limos for a while too or your dad would take any kind of car work that would come in well he would take anything uh we did limos were paying well at the time so we were knocking those out for the dealership for a while i think it, it my dad would probably do a few um customs for friends here and there mm -hmm. but mostly it was it was limos during that time and dealership work um, because they paid they didn't they didn't complain oh, yeah. and, they, and they were just you were able to turn and burn the cars oh exactly we had them down pat where you know we could do a full you know 
uh, four foot stretch or whatever so, in, in a week, it would be painted and sent back to the dealership. So would you currently today, if someone brought you a project and said, Do, can you make me a limo, would you build a limo for someone today? Oh, if, yeah, if I had the room right now, my shop's so packed, I probably couldn't <laughs> even get a bicycle in there sideways. But you know. So you don't, you don't suffer from a shortage of work right now. You've got plenty of work. And, yeah. And what's the main thing you're doing at your shop now at South End Customs? Um, mostly it's the uh, um, 50s look um, customs. Sure. I, 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 just like the, the square back, I tend to lean towards, um, like the Motorama look or the, you know, Autorama cars, um, a little futuristic. Um, so when I do my cars, I try and think a little bit further ahead than just what's cool now. Right. And, um, now back in the day when, when, uh, cause I'm, I'm on your page and I'm seeing cars here that, uh, like Beverly Hillbillies car and stuff like that. Are those cars that you were you were uh, involved with in some way? Yeah, um, we through George Barris we got the contract to build the cars for uh, the movie Beverly Hillbillies. Nice. And so um, we built three cars. Two of them. Uh, one was the picture car. One was the driving car. The other one was the uh, uh, monster truck. Now, how's uh, the how's the movie car business? I mean, is that something where i mean you can can you make good money building movie cars and then i mean i guess probably the easiest car to i mean i would think this is just me speaking from my side of the street not being a car builder but i would think it's kind of more more looks than anything else and it's just got to make it through well, the yeah, that's scenes. the way it was that's why my dad loved the work because it paid so well for so little work you know it right. just had to look good um but everything changed when Batman came out, the 89 Batman, or I guess it would probably be 91 when the next film came out mm -hmm. because that's when CG started coming in. And um, everything had to be digitized. And so um, the handcraftsman guys were almost pushed out and computers were brought in and they would see and see, you know, cars basically so that it was digitized into a computer so when they do their CG work, they already have all the, the, the points set in the computer. So a hand-built car, you cannot build, uh, if you look at the monkey cars or the, the green hornet cars, you know, both had two each. Um, they're a little bit different sure. because, you know, there was months in between building them. So, you know, when you did the next one, it, it didn't turn out exactly like the first one. Um, so that's what the, the film industry is afraid of. So they kind of, when they, they have new cars built, they're normally done with somebody that is, is a, you know, accessible to digital, you know, media, whatever and to. Now looking at the, looking at the cars here, there's pictures of the Batmobile that are in here. Now was your dad, was your dad working for Barris at the time when they did that? Yeah. And, uh, um, my dad's big story is, uh, he was in the office when George got the call for, um, uh, Warner brothers that, uh, they needed a Batmobile and George was in a panic because they had already been to Dean Jeffries mm -hmm. asking him to create a, a Batmobile and it's whoever got to the finish line first was the one that was going to get the contract. So, um, my dad looked over and said, George, you already have the Batmobile. It's outside. It was the old Futura. They had been sitting in their back lot for, you know, five years. And um, 
So that's that got that started. And, and what? And you said he was going up against Dean Jeffries. Well, Dean Jeffries uh, was first approached with um, because he was friends with the guys over at Warner Brothers, so they went to him first, and he wanted. Dean wanted to use a uh, 59 Cadillac because of the fins already on there. And right. I don't know if it really impressed them, but but they put another uh, call out, and they, uh, George reached out to him and says, I think I got your car. And so, you know, they said, okay, you got whatever, 30 days to, to bring something to the studio, and we'll see. And <clears throat> so that's when they took the Futura. Now the Futura, my understanding was was the car, and this is just a little bit of history that I know that, but just cursory going over it. My understanding of the history of the Batmobile, it was actually like a, it was a uh, was it a stock Futura? Was it like a show car for Ford? It was a it was a show car for Ford. It was it was never meant to drive really, um, and uh, if you read any of the books on uh, uh, Batman, the, you know TV show, uh, Adam West would always say that you don't want to go over 20 miles an hour with this thing because it's not going to stop. You know, right. it just, it wasn't designed for that. So that's, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty historical landmark to be a part of is the bat, the original Batmobile. Oh yeah. Well, that was just one of them. I mean, how you know, many did they build? Did the metal work on the AC Cobra that is known today. Really? Yeah. The first one that was at Dean Moon's place. That was my dad doing the metal work. For Carol Shelby, that, but when they were building the first for Carol one. Shelby, Oh wow! So, that's I mean that's that, that's pretty awesome. How? Yeah, just that, crazy things. You I mean, know, I, you, I always call my dad the the Forrest Gump of of car <laughs> building because he's always in the background. You know, right? And what all uh, these major events? And now on the Batmobile, how many units did they build uh, out of Barris' shop? Well, there was there was the uh, first one that that's the one my dad helped assemble, mm-hmm. and then. <laughs> Um, Michael Michael Black or Michael Black Green uh, anyway uh, he, um, it was a, um, a friend of my dad's that came in that knew fiberglass that did four replicas and um, they were the um, the stunt car mm-hmm. then there was a, a um, drag racing car which was number four and the third one was the show car so second one was double car then there was the touring car and mm-hmm. then there was a stunt car that, that had the bat the um, parachutes come out the back yeah and um, and it's it's it came out recently that the the um, I was talking with Daryl Starberg and he goes yeah I've got one of those Batmobile bodies they uh, George gave it to me a long time ago so he owns the fifth Batmobile car <laughs> Like a glass body, a fiberglass body. Yeah, it's a glass body, but it is from that run. So he's he's got the fifth one, and uh, there was a guy that worked with George Barris for a long time, uh, Tony Wood, uh-huh. and he kept always telling me there's supposed to be a fifth one. All the paperwork says there's a fifth one, but no one can find it. And George and and Daryl Starber were good friends, and it's it's you know surprising no one ever put two and two together, but yeah. yeah um, that's pretty rad. Now on your yeah, I know. So, uh, so on your site, looking at more of the cars that you've built, you've got a mini truck on here. That's uh, oh yeah, the, the super to- truck. The super truck. 
What's the story? Because that thing, I mean, that thing looks pretty rad. Like, I would drive that thing today. What's the story on the oh, Supra yeah. truck? Well, uh, this this was probably one of my dad's best things he did for me. He just, um, when we were doing the dealership stuff, um, we, we, we would do modifications. You know, people would want custom cars to buy, and they would just finance them. So the dealership got involved, and so... The dealership came to us and says, we want you to build a truck. And since I was doing mini trucks, um, my dad says, okay, I think, I, you know, I think we've got a feel of what would be popular or what could be cool. So my dad just walked out the door after taking the phone call. And he says, okay, I want you to design and build me a, a, a mini truck. He goes, you know, just whatever you want to do. It's, it, obviously, it was a Toyota because it was a Toyota dealership. Yeah, what year was and, it? What year was that truck? It was uh, 82, I think. Because I, I toured it in 83. So um, so I think we were finished in at the end of 82. So it was probably an 82. It was an 82 pickup and an 82 Supra. And I took so this was all a, the components, the drivetrain components out of the Supra and put it in the mini truck. And and this was a this was two brand new cars? Yeah. And because well, the, 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 the car, the, there was no Supra car. Uh, we just took the components. We just ordered all the parts, and they were delivered to us. So the, dealer, the truck was the, brand new, absolutely brand new. And the dealership commissioned this build, like, hey, we want, we're, we're, we're really trying to get ahead of the curve on this mini truck thing? Yeah, they wanted to, you know, promote their, their company and, and have a, a futuristic Toyota built that, might excite people that is is i mean i'm telling you i mean for night usually you go back and see some of these designs in 1982 and they scream like yep 82 i mean <laughs> being honest looking at this thing it looks like it could be it, it it's kind of a timeless design it's not super dated because it almost has i look at it and the and the word testarossa pops to mind for some reason oh yeah and it just has it's just got such a cool look to it um yep. So whatever, what happened with this truck? Well, this is going to be a really funny story. They, it, it got, they, they put it together. They got it running. Uh, they had to bring in specialists from Japan to get the computer to recognize the new motor in the, in the truck. So anyway, they finally got it running. It, it sat, it, you know, did some light touring for almost a year. Mm-hmm. And then it wound up in a, in a used car sales uh, lot. Oh, get out of here. Yeah. And a kid whose name was Keith bought it for $4,500. Oh, stop it. And was delivering pizzas here in Hemet with that truck. That is insane. Yeah. And the, you want to hear the insane part? <laughs> he, he got a ticket up on the 10 freeway for doing 150 miles an hour. No way. Yeah. He that says, "Luckily, I backed off when they when I saw the cop." That is nuts, man. And I wonder. So, do, does anybody know where that truck is today? Yeah, it uh, it wound up at this guy's Keith's brother's place up in uh, it was Ontario or somewhere up in the upper desert. Uh, and um, another guy, um, I think his name is Dan, just just got it probably a year ago, and he's going to put it back together. 
So, wow. and there is, uh, this year at the Grand National, last year was Volkswagen. This year is going to be uh, pickup trucks. Yeah. And I, I, so, I, is the goal and for that? We're hoping thing? to have that truck there for this, for that event. So, so do you have any, you know, what's so funny is like, you're just grinding out work back then. Right. And you don't really oh, think yeah. that the stuff you're going to do, people are going to be calling you and talking to you about 30 years later. You know what I mean? Oh, I know. I, I, do that, you? that is to me the, the greatest honor because I tell everybody that, that, you know, they want to be on a cover and, and, or they've been on a cover. I'm like, uh, what issue, what issue does, you know, nobody can remember what the, the issue before or after theirs was and stuff like that. And just, um, I said, never strive for that cover because that's all you'll get. You know, you need to create a car that, that speaks to people and then it'll be, it'll live forever. Well, and, uh, I, I think that's true because a car, like I said, looking at the, looking at that super truck, I mean, that thing looks, especially to know that it was built on a brand new platform. And yeah, I, know. I mean, just the history behind it. So the new owner is—he's chased you down and tracked down, tracked you down as far as like getting. We information all kind from of knew him. each other. Um, I knew him from a friend of mine. Um, it's funny that I was touring that truck up at Blackie Jean's show in Fresno when I met my wife. Really? Yeah. And the guy that owns it now, Dan, had his first date in that truck <laughs> with his current wife in that, in that super truck. Yeah. Cause he was buddies with the previous owner. Is that what happened? I know he, he, I, I think he, um, yeah, maybe that was, maybe that was it. He knew, he knew the previous owner, the Keith and his brother. So, that, so that's how he, he drove it before it got destroyed. They put it under a pepper tree and it really just got wiped out. And so it kind of just stuck around Hemet the whole time. No, uh, they like I say they lived in the upper desert. So um, the kid in in Hemet, Keith, he he left here and went up to his brother's house in the upper desert, and it just sat under a pepper tree for whatever fifteen years. Oh, you mean like Victorville area, like high desert that area? Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, somewhere up in there. Man, that's and I'm super excited to see. It. So th now, did you guys paint that? What 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 level yeah. of work did you you guys built the whole thing? I mean, you body flared yeah, it. I, the, I painted it right on the right, basically where I was building it. Now was that uh, was that fiberglass work on there? Or was it metal work? Metal. Really, the flares and everything on the side are metal. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. My dad did a, a truck called a Trans Am van, and he used the same flares, and that's what gave me the incentive to do those on the on the truck. I just loved them. So. Oh man, that's that that's incredible, man. I mean, especially to be connected to so many cars between you and your dad that 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 are etched in history for so long, and then the fact that I mean, obviously you still have to love what you do because you do it every day. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah, it's it's an adventure every day, you know, and then striving to create something that that either hasn't been seen or or you know you can do better. Yeah, there was a uh, last time I saw there was a there was, I think the. Uh, one of the cars I saw that you built that was pretty popular was a, uh, was it an El Camino? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Triton. Yeah, the Triton. Now, that car was, I, I, I checked out that car for a while on the internet. That car was, that car was unbelievable. What, what was, <laughs> it, was that car your complete idea? Yeah, it was really funny is that um, uh, there was a, um, the guy that owned it, uh, my friend owned the, the, the El Camino and, um, 
an, another guy came in and wanted to buy it. Um, my friend John, he, he, he took me over to his place and says, well, what do you think? What could I do to this thing? I said, well, I don't know. Just put some bumpers on it and drive it. I, I just really don't <laughs> see anything. And after his, his friend Mike bought it and brought it over to my place, it sat in the front of my shop for a little bit, and I stood back and looked at it, and I said, I know what I'm going to do. And all these things that were in my head that I was going to do to other cars, you know, little bits, not the whole thing. I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. And I drew it up, and I sent him to the, sent him some drawings, and he says, whatever you think. <laughs> and so it just, well, so for those that are listening that, that might not know, the, this Triton is a, is a 59 or 60 El Camino? 59. So it's a 59 El Camino, but it, it looks like a concept car. It looks like a GM concept car, which is what's so cool about it. But it's even like next level above that, you know, because it looks like it's got 59 Caddy taillights sectioned in on it. Is that what's on there? Uh, actually, there was 60 Cadillac. Oh, 60 it was Cadillac. a single blade. But the taillights aren't in the fin. I actually just put them down below where the uh, running lights were. And then the seats, the seats are like a ribbed skeleton yeah. for the seats, which I think is just such a cool idea. I mean, what gave you, what gave yeah. you the idea for those if, seats? If you, uh, just futuristic, you know, feel, just kind of space kind of thing. And it's, it's funny because I, I put it on a hinge on the top and the bottom was on a, on a power track. So if you wanted to change the seat to go front or back, it would slide forward or back, you know, kind of open up. And it, it was actually kind of cool. I just, you know. Just the little engineering things. Now, how often do you get a chance to build a car to that level? Every now and then. Um, that one cost, I mean, in today's market, it probably seems cheap, but, you know, it was over 100000 to to build from where I started, you know, which is the, the um, 59 El Camino was already purchased, all that stuff. Right. I just had to convert it. Um but it was more, it wasn't so much about, you know, trying to, to make a, a big profit on it. I just wanted to get these dreams out of my head. I, I, I told the owner, I said, this thing's driving me crazy. I got to get these things out of my head and onto your car. So Yeah, that's so rad. And what motor's in it? It, it had a, a 350 Chevy, mm -hmm. and it, it's, um, it's got custom valve covers on it, um, the ones that uh, look like the... Like the uh, early style, yeah. Yeah. And then um, uh, it's got looks like looks like some fuel injection. Yeah, some velocity stacks like a fuel injection yeah. that, that are merged yeah, together. Yeah, fuel injections set up that that we bought. There was a kit, you know, when they first started coming up with the uh, uh, FI kits. Um, that was one of the kits, and that all went to well. I, I mean, it was the first time we ever dealt with computers where you could dial in the performance on the computer on in in the car. I, you'd open up the glove box and. You know, oh, it's running a little lean. You need to dial it in, and you know, it's the first time I ever dealt with that. So now, it kind of sold me on uh, fuel injection stuff. Oh, so stuff. you're a proponent of fuel injection, then? You're, you're, oh yeah, believer. For, you know, it's it, 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 gas mileage wise, uh, you know, efficiency, especially the new stuff with a computer where you can dial in. You know, carburetors. I, I, I used to know guys when I was in high school that could hear, you know, a tick in a motor. But now t today, people really don't, you know, they don't know that stuff. But if you give it to a kid with a computer and he puts it up and he's like, oh, no, this is what we need to do. We need to arc the, the cam at this point. And, you know, so 
different world, you know, different times. But uh, yeah, it really worked out well. And now the guy that had that car, he, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at pictures of it on Barrett Jackson's website and it looks like it was sold. Yeah, the uh, the Peterson Museum bought it from Mike, the, the original owner, and they owned it for a couple of years and then uh, put it up for auction. They were changing their format in their car, in their car line, so they decided to sell it. And I don't know who bought it. It just, um, I, I'm sure I could call the Peterson and find out. But now, is this uh, car a driver? Is this something you'd get in and drive, no problems? Yeah, um, it is a new car, and as far as a custom car, so you know, we needed to work out the bugs. It, it needed a six month, you know, break in, um, break in, just for us to get everything dialed in. And there wasn't enough time. It was like we were finishing the car for the Grand National, and it had to go. So uh, then it went on the Whirlwind Tour, and we really didn't have a you know chance to really dial it in. Yeah. But um, it is a solid car. Everything's new on it. It will, you know, it will drive everywhere. So on this car, you did paint, metalwork. You did like every. You built this entire car. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, it is, you know, and what I really appreciate about this car, and I was reading an interview that you had done with someone, and it's something I that so many people that are just average purviewers of vehicles don't pick up, but it's like when a car has a theme that goes through it front to back, in and out, yeah. and you just see the yeah. you just see this theme because the motor the motor even looks right. The motor to me looks better than if you put an LS in it. Yeah. Because it's it's old yet futuristic with the velocity stacks and the fuel injection, but it's you know it's kind of pulling both sides. I mean, now yeah, I I in my head I saw a 1960 Autorama car, and that's what I was aiming for. Man, you nailed it. I didn't want to go too far forward with the motor. I didn't want to go too far back with the motor. It's just that is phenomenal. And so you said your shop's pretty full because I'm looking at this thing thinking, man. What would Keith do if somebody just dropped off a Volkswagen and said, listen, man, wh- what are you thinking? How can we make this thing like a Kid Dean special front to back, just like <laughs> something completely unique? What platform of Volkswagen have you always wanted to work with, maybe that you've never worked with, or something? a, a car that you say, man, Bill, if I had one of these, look out. Is there any Volkswagen like that for you? Um, well... I started doing a, uh, um, uh, a Carmen Ghia that looked a little more like the, the GTs, um, reshaped the, the body a little bit, give a European, like, not, I mean, not that it wasn't European to start with, but, you right. know, a little more of the race feel to it rather than the, you know, let's go to college feel that it had. Sure. Um, Bugs, I mean, that uh, little Berlin Oh man, that Berlin Buick. Yeah, Berlin Buick. That guy took it to the next level. I would like to outthink him, and somehow I don't know how I could do it because that <laughs> thing was perfect in every way. But you know, that would be my goal is to take what he's done and say, okay, we're taking it up a notch. And what's so crazy? He's working on a fastback coming up that he's having some. Oh, metal, really? He's having some metal work done on, and he took the fastback, and I think they chopped it a little bit, and they put. Um, like early Aston Dayton's on it, like flat-faced wire wheels. 
Yeah. <laughs> it looks, I mean, it looks like a, uh, like a, like a Aston Martin Jaguar. T- it's wild, man. How much, how different it looks with just a roof chop a little bit and a little bit of difference yeah. in that. I mean, it's That's just what it takes. It doesn't take a whole lot sometimes. It just, yeah. You know, a little shave here. That's incredible. Now you were saying earlier that you do that you were you did some drawings. Do you do you actually sketch the cars out and stuff? Do you come up with like concept drawings? Sometimes. I mean, I used to be a, a good artist um, in my earlier days. I wouldn't say just, used I, to be after looking at that Triton. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just I just you know I just think that my my drawings haven't advanced because I I don't practice it enough. It's just like anything. You know, right. when I was young, I would draw every day. And so my, my drawings, you know, um, showed that. Right. Um, nowadays, I'm more about the physical 3D version of it and less about the drawing. So when it comes down to, you know, a customer coming in and say, hey, I want to see what this looks like. I draw, but, but I still see myself, you know, 50 years ago drawing. <laughs> it's just like, no, you need to advance it. You need to, you know, right. scale it a little better. Well, I mean, I think it's it's just, you know, besides having your connection and, and what I love about the VW hobbies, there's so many people that are all over the car industry that started out in the VW platform. Oh, yeah. And because I think I think that the craziest part is the VW is like, is the pill of encouragement. Like you can take this car and figure out how to build it and then your intimidation factor goes away and then you're ready to tackle the next car and the oh, next yeah. car because they almost seem so plug and play. I mean, yeah. uh, it's, it's just, uh, listen, you've done some incredible work. And what we haven't really talked about is, uh, your involvement with suicidal tendencies, the squareback oh, yeah. page Proctor squareback. So what is, what's the story behind that? And what, to what level involvement are you on that car and what it, what did you do? And did it, what, did that whole car go through your shop or what's the story? on? Yeah, well, it, it was, I did it on the side of my dad's shop. So, so you and Paige are buddies and yeah. you're like, Hey man, he gets in his car accident. Basically the car drove halfway through his car. Um, so we went and found another body, put it on his chassis and, um, he, he had, broken ribs, broken arm, broken jaw. Uh, and I just, and I could tell he was bummed. His car was gone. Right. And it was just, it was getting ready to be featured in the magazine, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I said, Paige, it's only metal. I'll put it back together for you. And while he's laying in bed, I'm working on his car and, um, you know, he's healing up and, uh, I guess I went a little bit crazy. <laughs> I was, <laughs> now I just started like, you know, yeah. Tell, uh, tell I us about this trick with Volkswagens as far as suicide doors. Uh, I would take the left side, put it on the right, and the right side, put it on the left as far as the jams, and then I wouldn't have to do any construction work. Oh yeah, and, yeah. yeah uh, I mean that makes sense, right? Cutting the door jam out itself, and then flopping them on the car. Yeah, I mean, and 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 so that's what I did on his and. Then, then I was into um, powering, uh, like mini trucks would have power hoods and and stuff like that. So I was into that, the four bar link setup. So I set his his uh, hood up that way. Um, uh, he didn't want to chop, so that was off limits. And then we did the the picture uh, window quarters, and then I did the mini truck thing again with the 
the flex pop out. So, um, and then the, the trunk lid on that, I think is the one from his car. I'm pretty sure it is. So he retained some part of his car. <laughs> and then as far as the paint, I, he, he didn't really have much to say about it. Unfortunately, I think I just said, this is the color it's going to be. And, uh, and so you decided to do now what's what the color on the top is kind of a, uh, it's kind of a, um, well, I, I had been experimenting with this candy where I've been putting um, orange into the red and it made it a, a more flame kind of candy. And um, that's what I did with his. So now the louvers on the front fender, louvers on the hood. Is, is that all? Yeah, you? that was Paige's passion. No, it, the louvers are Paige's passion. So yeah. that's that the, he said. That's. Um, it's got to have louvers. You can do whatever you want to the rest, but I need louvers here, and I, you know, then we we kept his his hatch from the original square back. Well, and I love so how it had louvers on the back. I love how the display has like beat grooves, or like a you know the heartbeat grooves holding up the the, oh, yeah. the stanchions, and uh, yeah, I mean it, you know, and, and it has a bench seat in the front. Yeah, that was that was Pages, uh, you know, in his brown two tone brown squareback that would he put that in himself that came out of his mini truck and and he was so proud of that and then when it came to putting uh doing it to the new car because the original seat was destroyed as we went out found another bench seat from a mini truck and put well, it in there for him and what's funny in the early 90s there was a squareback that came out that was it was the 90s colors right it was like a teal and another color it had a single bench seat in the front and you know it had a lot of those cues that you see that people take from other cars that inspired them during their growing up. So I think that's pretty neat. It had the bay window and the bench seat. I remember for sure. I'm not sure if it had suicide yeah. doors, but uh, yeah, that thing is that thing. And what's crazy is he still owns the car, right? He still owns a car. He brought out yeah, the I know. grand national roadster show. Yeah. And uh, it was, uh, it was, it was great to meet him and chat with him. I've tried to get him on the podcast. He's a little bit, uh, he's a little bit radio shy to get on here, but uh, that's all right. <laughs> you know, I just think it's, I think it's just such a such a unique piece. Now, there was something about the pinstriping we were there that we were talking about. Oh yeah. What what's well, the story in the um, pinstriping? I had um I had become good friends with Steve Stanford and he was the up and coming, you know, artist at the time. And I said, Paige, we need to go up and see Steve about getting this thing striped. Mm -hmm. And so we went up there and uh, Paige was like giving him the, the drilling him like what are you going to do to my car you know yeah he's pretty and protective Steve's of real his car. casual he's like <laughs> i don't know i was kind of messing around with this kind of look and i don't know no one seems to like it and he goes i love it do it wherever you want <laughs> you know the dry brush and the little cubes and yeah i i, I said it, it just popped so you know unbelievable it just that i said that's what it needed and that's and and that's like the dry brush technique. Now this car is in the eighties. In the nineties, it gets super popular, right? On all the GMCs. Yeah, exactly. And, and that was Steve Stanford, you know, in his vision. Yeah, I got to chase him down. He's another one of the podcasts that I lost, which just really bums oh, yeah. me out, man. Because it's like you know, especially at the Grand National Roadster Show, you know, that was just such an epic event to see. Yeah. All the cars. It was from, great to see him. Yeah, yeah. You know, see all the cars from my youth be there in one place. Oh, and, I know. Oh and, my God. Yeah, I mean, it was just it, it was it was pretty awesome to see that, and then to see how many how how it resonated with people. I mean, I'm excited to go this year because I'm going to go this year and check out the mini truck event. You know, because yeah, 
here in Vegas, mini trucks were, when I was growing up cruising the strip, man, mini trucks were, they were all the rage, you know? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm super excited to go check that out. And I think, you know, our gen, I hate to say that we're the old guys now, but it's almost like now our stuff that when we were kids is now starting to become, it's been around so long that it's starting to get popular again. Yeah, exactly. With, with some of the other, uh, you know, a lot of people, it really connects. We get, we get to an age where we just, we just, we, we long for that, um, that kind of, uh, that well, reminiscing. They have always said that, that, you know, uh, the thing that'll bring back memories the quickest is, you know, a, a image or something like that. So if you want to go back 40 years, whatever, you know, yeah, no, it's, that'll, that'll do it for you. A hundred, a hundred percent. So what, uh, so what are you currently working on in your place and anything that we, that, that you're excited that you're working on, that you're building that may be coming out in the next little bit? Yeah, um, I'm doing a car for uh, a TV show called Restoration Garage, and uh, they contact contracted me to build a 40 Mercury for them. So uh, we found the car, and I'm redesigning it, and, and it's looking really good. So uh, we'll have that at the Grand National uh, this year. Oh, nice! So that's a or, car. Well, not this year, but in 2023. 23. Yeah, 23. Yeah, January. Yeah. I. I yeah. <laughs> no, I, I hear you. So yeah, with, you get lost with time anymore. It's just yeah, and this so this car that you're building now, it's a full build. You're doing the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, chassis, body, um, design. They, they just give me full full tilt. Just do what you want. Just make it nice. So oh, wow. uh, you'll see some features on this that are pretty cool. And, so now, because you, you, I mean, looking at Triton now, so now I'm kind of labeling you, right? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, so you do like cool custom stuff, but you do it different. You're not like, you're not stuck to tradition. Like you're still trying to make things look, I, I'm just basing it on the two things, Triton and the super truck. I'm looking at those two things and saying, you know, there's kind of a style there where you like a, a nod to the history and a traditional look, but like really unique touches that set the car completely apart, you know? Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm excited to see the, the, uh, the, the Merc, it's a Merc, right? You're doing. Yeah. Yeah. 40 Mercury. So it, it they kind of said, Hey, do it. If this is, this is your car, do it front to back how you want it. And so now you're just kind of letting yeah. go of all well, your ideas. It was funny. Cause they were out visiting me, the guys from restoration garage and, I had my friend's 40 Mercury that I had done about nine years prior. Mm-hmm. And um, the the one guy, Larry, just just fell in love with it. He goes, I want this car. Will he sell it? And I said, no, he'll never sell this car. He goes, well, can you build me one? I said, I won't build you one like this, but I can build you one. He goes, well, can you get close? I'm like, okay. Now, Restoration Garage, they're, are they the ones, are they up in Canada? Yeah, that's the Can- Canadian guys at the Guild. I mean, the, yeah, at the Guild now, I've watched that show, and they, I mean, they do, like, Bentleys and, yeah. I mean, like, f- old Fender and no Fender kind of cars. I mean, they do all that kind of stuff. And so, they, they are they doing this as part of their, of part of their TV show? Yeah, yeah, they've, they've put in, you know, leaders and stuff like that to, you know, check out, it's coming, this is what it's going to look like, and... So, so is it is it top secret like what color it's going to be and all that stuff? 
Uh, I can tell you, it, it's a it's a metallic plum basically color. Oh wow! Um, so this is like classic, yeah, Merc style chop the whole nine. It's it's a little bit of old Hollywood is like I, what I like to call it. Yeah, is that you know if you were a, a movie star in the fifties, forties, or fifties, and you said, "I want to drive a car that no one else has," this is you know you would go to a coachman and he would build you. Something, oh, so this, this it's not throwback hot rod street kid car. It's like you've got money and you're in Hollywood yeah. and it's the 50s and you want a Merc that nobody has. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm super excited. <laughs> I'm pretty excited <laughs> to see it, man. Because, uh, you know, as as much as I'm a Volkswagen guy, I love all cars, you know, and I well, just... Yeah, same with me. You know, I, I kind of stumbled on because my friend Paige was in the Volkswagen, so I kind of followed him you know i was making money at mini trucks i didn't you know have to go into volkswagens um but i'm just like these guys are kind of cool i I think i'm gonna hang out with these guys and then i'm like well i'm gonna beat these guys you know (laughs) that was the worst thing is it's competition through through the year of of showing it because a type one would always beat me and you know i go through the list of of uh you know points yeah it would be body work 25 uh you know interior 25 and motor three yeah because like, oh. you because it's a type it's a type three i mean how much can you dress up a type three motor right exactly and and the other guy would get 24 24 25 <laughs> and he just like beat me i was just like ah dang it well it, and, it, and it has you know there's always the type three guys feel there's a conspiracy against them and uh, i mean listen <laughs> that's <laughs> true yeah. bugs are a lot more there are a lot more popular type ones. I love a Type Three, you know, um, and I, I'm actually well at the at the show at the Grand National. There was you know tons of the Type Threes and 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 um, in every version, you know, the the one that he whacked the roof completely off that was awesome. And oh yeah, you know, oh that that was the, the pink one. That was my Roadster. So I own that car now. And oh okay. That car was built by Steve Connect at a Bakersfield. That's true. That's who it was. Because there was guys in Bakersfield, and, and that's another podcast I lost was Steve Connect and the black the black uh, beetle that was there with the pink and blue uh, beat groove down the side from the eighties. Both those oh, guys, yeah. both those guys were at a Bakersfield, and we did such a great podcast. And and on the black car, uh, Jack DiGiacomo's name. Jack Jr. bought the car. His dad sold the car to some guy in Ohio back in the late 80s, early 90s. He tracked it down and bought his dad's car back. Oh, and, man. And his dad's car, you know, true to the Volkswagen hobby, right? Jack would help work at the work at Steve's shop, Volksworks, in Bakersfield because they're oh, yeah. teenage kids working on their Volkswagens, super clean show cars, and then drive them to the show and then, like, yeah. clean them up when they get there and show them and – it was just such a great story to see like that generational connection. And Steve, I had dinner with him a couple weeks ago. I just I, I just decided to take a couple days off and just drive up to Reno and go visit some people. And, you know, he and I, since I bought the car, he had sold the car for probably like five grand back in two thousand five, the, the the Roadster notchback. And it was everything was still there that he had done on it. And and it's it's cutting edge for the eighties, but it's oh, yeah. so far from what they do today as far as level of stuff they do. But that car has got so many custom things. And when you look at that car through the lens of 
the dude who built this was 20 years old. Yeah, and exactly. Like, you know, George Delfino had the Roadster square back that was the baby blue one, and, and they'd tell stories of, you know, they finished a show, and then they would just change the graphics for the <laughs> next show. Like, I mean, the amount of work that, that goes into that, but it was just, I, and, and I've, I've interviewed, uh, you know, uh, the, the the Giacomos. I've interviewed Steve Connect. I've interviewed Chris Addington, who did the billet gear. And, and there's yeah. a there's a whole pocket of stuff that just came out of Bakersfield right in the mid '80s. That was just devastating the show car scene. But you know that's and the guys that grabbed Type Threes were the guys that wanted to do something different. The guys that looked for a challenge and said, "All right, yeah. I'll, I'll take this and I'll go after the bugs." Because the bugs were exactly they were always killing it in the shows. You know. Yeah. But man, I, I think you know we were talking earlier in the in the podcast about that, and that's probably what drove me to get a square back. It's just like I can't get it any uglier. So <laughs> let's see what we can do. Everybody no, wants. I, I love this. I mean, to me, the Type Three was the ultimate. I mean, if you broke it down to just uh, brakes, you know, twelve volt suspension uh, system. Yeah. I mean, if you got a you know sixty six above, and the look. Um, uh, room inside it just had everything so that's that's what leaned me towards the the type three compared to a a bug no they're rad man and i and i tell you what what's so awesome is that you're still doing it and the stuff you did when you were a kid is i mean what's it going to be like to see the super truck at the grand national roaster it's like two years in I'm a row to be meeting with him to um um i i i i think he wants to bring it back finer than it was yeah and I, I i just need to slow him down a little bit and say just get it there <laughs> right right like so something's going a little over the top and and the reality is like when they were doing them back then even the factory paint was nowhere near what the factory paint is today like yeah the build quality in the 80s was i mean we're talking it's decades later you know and 40 years and build quality, fit and finish, all that stuff is different now to then, brand new from the factory. But I think there's there's value, like the, the, the Roadster Square, the Roadster Notchback that I have, like there's value in just leaving it like it is because I would love to go oh, through yeah. there and clean up this and clean up that, but then you're taken away from the period that that car was built. Yeah, that's you know? true. I've, I've had many of conversation with people that, that, that have gotten old vintage cars, customs or something like that, and should I repaint it? I'm like, nope. You know, that's got a original lacquer on it. You're never going to be able to do that. Yeah, and now, so at your shop, are you? So you'll work on anything. Someone brings you a Volkswagen, you'll build a Volkswagen for them. Oh yeah. How far out yeah, are you I, right now? Like my dad, I I mean, if it's got a wheel, and and then sometimes <laughs> even if it doesn't have a wheel, I'll work on <laughs> right? it. You know, snowmobile, whatever it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. If it's got a throttle, well, you're did, on it. I did watercraft for a while. Um, Oh really? Yeah, I built uh, racing jet skis for Kawasaki for almost ten years. So. Oh wow! So built them for the factory, like factory race car, factory race yeah, jet skis. Yeah, well, the fa- factory race teams. Yeah. Wow. And I, yeah, it was good money. So. So d- does that mean you're quite handy with fiberglass work too? Oh yeah. Well, that's where I started. I was a little kid, in my dad's dune buggy shop. He would bring me in on on weekends, so I wouldn't bug my mom. And he would show me how to do layups and what to look for. And, and I just got good at it. I, I learned, you know, not to be afraid of it and not how to time it, how to catalyze it properly. So you don't, 
make it mushy or you know yeah now now to talk about your dad for a little bit let's talk about the dune buggy that i mean did was it called it wasn't really was it called a dune buggy i mean i guess dune buggy was the category of those things right yeah it um so what's what the, do they call what, them? Street buggies? Yeah, street buggies. So what is the story on the street buggy that your dad built? And it's called the... Shalico. Shalico. Now, where did he get the name Shalico from? Um, um, from what he told me, and I don't know Spanish enough, but he said it was a Spanish word for, uh, like, Chalaco. was was kind of a mythical horse of ultimate power, almost like a Mugen that, that you know, had unlimited horse right uh, power and uh he just he always put the s on the end because that's our original name was swiscus so um he would put an s on the whatever he was building oh nice to kind of throw the family name in there <laughs> and now so what's the story on that what, what makes your dad veer into getting into that and at the time he's working for barris this is after barris he decides to leave it's, and it's after barris uh -huh. and uh, after dean jeffries he had built the uh, monkey cars and the uh, Green Hornet, uh, you know, helping Dean get that stuff together. And then uh, Dean was finished with that. He just contracted, hired him in, and then my dad went off. Um, he, my dad started working for a company called Safari, which built dune buggies. And, and I think he worked for them for almost a year and then stopped working for them and... The Baja was starting in 67, and so um, he went down to that race, and he just got so excited. He says, I'm going to build a car that's going to go in the, the Baja. So he came back, made a, uh, took a plastic model, cut it up, redesigned it, and that, that was his basis for what he was going to do. And then since he had built chassis and stuff for um, Bonneville and drag racing cars, is that so he built up a chassis, hand-built tube, and uh, he was one of the, probably the best, well, one of the top aluminum guys. That's how he got the job with Dean Moon to work on the AC Cobra. One of the best aluminum men around, probably at least the fastest. And so he hand-built the first Shalico body out of aluminum. And uh, Oh, wow. People, people just fell in love with it. So he was really surprised how much, you know, um, they, that, because I think it was so different, you know, going doors and, you know, this and that, and um, it was different. And now how, loved it. how many Shalico, now Shalico was the, the car brand or was the one, was it one model or was there two models of the Shalico? Well, there was, there was uh, four or five models of the Shalico. That was the, he named the, the business house of Shalico. Okay. So, um, there was the original Shalico, which was on a full length. Uh, wouldn't be a pan on that one, but you know it was a full length Volkswagen uh, VW length, length chassis. Chassis length, and then um, he built five of those, and then he couldn't keep up with production, so he decided to make a fiberglass body and put it on the chassis. Well, then he got he became friends with Bruce Meyer and was wondering why Bruce would always chop his pans down. And Bruce told him that, well, when you get in those roller dips on a long chassis, um, they, it, it doesn't drive well. So you got short chassis in it. Yeah. And so he did that and, and made the, what he called a shallow, which is a version of the shallow co. 
and then uh, he was at the drag races in uh, Terminal Island, and Chevy was running their uh, new 69 uh, Corvette dragster. Uh, the body blew off, and at the end of the race, my dad went up to him and said, hey, what are you going to do with that, that body? Oh, that's a piece of junk. Just, you know, I don't care. So he picked, scooped it up, put it in his truck, and sculpted it into what he called the Chalavet. So that was another version of his of his Chalicol line. And then he had a one called an Enduro, which is a just a kind of like the razor kind of look. It was just a, a steel tube dune buggy, you know. So and how those long the basic line? And how long does he how long does he do? House of Shalico and you know what? Well, it was from '68 to '71, and the only reason that it stopped uh, was because the, the laws were changing as far as special construction permits weren't going to be allowed anymore. Um, Another so California whammy. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, the, wow. You know, if you read between the lines, and I kind of believe this, is that the big three right felt that they were getting pinched as far as people weren't buying new cars. They were buying these doom buggies. And so they kind of said, Hey, you know, we need to take care of this. And they got taken care of, I guess. But, uh, yeah, that's, they just cut it all the way across the line. Uh, Bruce Myers stopped making buggies during the, that time. And, you know, 71 was it. Wow. And so how many Shalikos were built? Does your dad have a, I mean, did, did he keep track of how many were built? Is there a, I know there's a registry somewhere online about it. Yeah. The, the, it kind of splits between the uh, aluminum Shalikos, the fiberglass Shalikos, the Shalas, and the Shalavets. So overall, he probably made about 70 to 75 cars. And I wouldn't say full cars because when he when he made the shallow which was the shorter wheelbase car that that was a kit and he made maybe about 10 of them himself but the rest of them were sold as you know take it home throw it on a pan and you know you make your own do buggy wow so he would so he started out building them complete and then then went into just selling kits yeah he just um uh, liability was, was less. He, he was just doing the number crunch and the bean counting. And so he was, he figured he could make more money if he just sold them as kits rather than the labor. He, yeah, you think there's a labor shortage now. He, back then, you know, it was, it was still tough to find somebody to come in that was reasonable to. Oh, I can, I can imagine. So did your debt, did you, did, does your dad have any of the old literature and stuff like that? Do you have stuff like that left over from oh, your I've dad's? Oh, I've got a thing? stack of a lot of his old stuff. That's yeah. too cool. Well, I promised to come by the shop one of these days when I head back through California. I'm going to for sure stop oh, at the yeah. shop. Just give a call and I'll and, bring it in. And and check it out for sure, man. But uh, I'm excited to see the thing. That you, you know, what I was talking about earlier is like how crazy is it that you're building a car to debut at the Grand National Roadster Show and a car you built when you were a kid is going to be on display at the Grand National Roadster after yeah. <laughs> a year after another one of your cars was built. I mean, yeah, that's pretty bad when you're when the old cars are, are just as popular as the new ones you're coming out. With. But you know, listen, I mean, you've put in you've put in your time, and it's been able to produce fruit for you. And if you love what you do, I mean, yeah, you, you can't complain, work. right? So yeah. that's pretty much it. That's why I'm still 
you know, doing it. It's just, it, it just, oh man, there's a passion there. It, you know, it, I have three other brothers, and and they all tried their hand, and it wasn't for them. So, so you're you're the only brother that stayed in doing it for a full time gig, huh? Yeah. Now, are your brothers car guys too? Excuse me. Are your brothers car guys? Are they into cars? Uh, my one brother, Richard, which was uh, younger than me, um, was, and then he passed away oh, a few sorry. years ago. Sorry to hear that. Um, my he was more into motorcycles, but but he did like the cars too. And mm-hmm. then my older brother is uh, he worked for Disneyland in the Wed uh, division, uh-huh. and he used to make the make the rides for Disneyland. That, oh, nice. His, his his mind thought that way, so he you know my dad brought him in, and, and my dad and my brother knew right away it wasn't what he wanted to do. He wanted to create things; it just wasn't that. So yeah. And then my my younger brother, my youngest brother, he's probably the most artist of all, all of us. He he can hand draw. He can he can play any instrument just by ear. He just you know that that kind of guy. Yeah. And, uh, but he tried his hand at it too. And he just like, it's not for me, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's wild, man. Well, I tell you, I, listen, I've super, I've really enjoyed this on the podcast because I just, I, I enjoy how much diversity there is in the history and what you've been doing, what you've done, what you're doing and what you're continuing to do. And I just think it's so, it's just so, it's so cool that it's, it, it it's connected and tied into the VW thing, but it's so broad based and universal, you know, that I just think yeah. it's, you know, I mean, from limousines, from, you know, <laughs> from limousines to the super truck, which is I'm like, my whole head's just exploding out the super truck. Cause I'm thinking, you know, I, when I was in the, when I, in the eighties, I'd go, I mean, I'm 50 this year. So, so, uh, you know, the eighties for me was like, I'd go to the dealership oh, and yeah. look at, you know, Oh, look, here's a brand new Nissan hard body, you know, lowered snug top yeah. graphics, everything from the factory. And yeah. you Throw know, a stereo in it and some wheels and you're good to go. Oh yeah. And it's, and it's interesting because I've often equated like the, the, the difference, the dichotomy between mini truck guys and VW guys or like the VW guys got their hands dirty. They had to, they didn't have a choice, you know? Yeah. And I don't think they had money to go money or credit to go to the dealership and get a brand new Toyota. Oh yeah. You know? And, and I think, that's the big difference that I see between. Oh yeah, when yeah, I mean, even mini trucks back then were tough to find under under a thousand dollars, you know. Yeah. And a Volkswagen was anywhere from a hundred bucks to you know from free to, to five hundred bucks. Is, yeah. Is where the Volkswagens landed. No, I think it, it, it's just interesting the kind of guys that gravitate, and I've always noticed that VW guys end up being like super super resourceful, you know, like just trying to. Oh yeah. Because. You know, like you might go see your little girlfriend, and then next thing you know, you go out to the car, and she's not she's not starting to clutch cable broke, throttle cable broke. You know, something happened <laughs> that's going to send you into a tailspin. You got to keep your cool and just act like you meant to do it, and uh, yeah, you know, and keep things together. But it's it's something that uh, is definitely unique, and people, you know, I said this on the podcast before. Your day in a Volkswagen, it's going to be baptism by fire, and it's going to be like. You, you get this cool VW and a day or two into it, you find yourself picking up pieces on the side of the road. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're either going to stick with it 
for the commitment yeah. to being cool or you're it's just not it's too much work for you you know yeah so i think that's rad man well i tell you it's been it's been a pleasure to have in the podcast i look forward to seeing you at the grand national roadshow show coming up uh next year in january i'll be there for sure i'm uh, excited actually february this year oh is it february first week in february all right well i'm excited to uh go up there and check out check out the car you built and the car you're building yeah. you know that's going to be uh <laughs> that's going to be pretty awesome man anybody if anybody wants to get in touch with you how, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you uh if they want a car built or you know want a chop a top chopped or whatever the case is yeah um you can reach me through um, southendcustom.com. Uh, just send me an email, or um, you can give out my phone number. It's it's fine, and then you know, perfect. Just pick up and talk to people, and well, that's rad, you know. man. Well, I definitely appreciate you coming on the uh, coming on the podcast, man. And I look forward to I look forward to seeing you at the Grand National Roadster Show this year. I know it should be a lot of fun. So especially I would bring the camera crew along. It's going to be funny. So. Yeah, that that'd be pretty exciting, man. I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to it. Now I know a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> Where? Yeah. Well, good deal, man. <laughs> Keith, I appreciate you for coming on, man. All right. Thank you very much, Bill. Thanks. If you like that podcast, and I know you did, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're listening on. Give us a five-star review and write a rating. We appreciate that. It gives us more exposure to more VW people in the content. Also, share the podcast with your friends. We love when you share the podcast. It's helping us grow immensely, so keep doing that good work. You guys know what the show is all about. Forward it to everybody you know. It's a VW uh, enthusiast, so make sure you guys do that. Also, six weeks left, one crazy weekend here in Las Vegas. Let's talkdubs.com. Support, pick out some merch. We'll get it shipped to you, and you'll be looking snazzy in your new VW gear. Well... It's been a good one this weekend. I'm headed out to Blitz on the Beach too. I'll definitely snag some podcast interviews while we're out there. We'll probably squeeze out a round table up there with a couple of boys. Other than that, guys, I'm looking forward to seeing a bunch of you in October. And until next week, guys, later. Here's a Volkswagen that's big enough. The new VW Fastback Sedan. The Fastback also has the most powerful engine we've ever made. It's air-cooled. Since we made a VW that's a little roomier in the inside, and in the back, where most cars have their trunks, we have a... Come into your Volkswagen dealer. He'll show you where the motor is.